I'd like you to explain to me about the time that you beat up Jan Payne. <laughs> Pull it out closer. <laughs> he told us that story when he was here, and he told me again this morning. And he really, he, he really, well, he, he wanted to make sure that, that we knew that uh, you ended up with stitches and he was still standing. <laughs> Is that true? I, don't, uh, I did get stitches, but uh, I did knock him on his keister. You knocked him down? Yes. And he, and he, and he, but he got back up. He did get back up, but I mean, I think I was getting the best of him. So he ran to the principal's office? Pretty much. His dad was on the school board, so he, you know. Mark, you're about, I don't know, four times the size of little Jan Payne. I, I don't think he used to be so little, though. Jan? Yeah. Didn't, because he, he trimmed down, didn't he? Yeah, he's a lot of talk, and that's about it. <laughs> he does talk a lot. A lot of bark and no bite. We, we, had, we had JP on our third, fourth yeah, podcast. Yeah, third or fourth, somewhere in there. He came in, we talked, talked pheasants for a while. Pheasants and, and farming. But he actually brought up that he punched me. Not on the podcast. Oh. Just drinking beer afterwards. <laughs> he, he messaged me last night. I think he was talking to Brian. Did you talk to JP last night or the night before? And he he, he had messaged me saying he, he wished he could come here and sit sit on the couch and just give you guys shit the whole time. <laughs> so nobody ended up in prison. No. Jan uh, said he was sorry and begged for forgiveness. <laughs> we'll make sure Becky leave that in. Okay? Then we'll have JP back on sometime. We'll just go back and forth with this. <laughs> so we, we got Mark Erdahl and Brian Olson with us today, and they are with, uh, or they own Team Nutrition, which is out of Cyrus, Minnesota, West Central Minnesota, not too far down the road from us. Uh, one of you grab the mic here and kind of explain what Team Nutrition is and, and kind of what you do, because I know it, it works a little bit different than, than like the standard co-op, right? Exactly. Um, Mark and I actually both had worked for co-ops at one time or another, um, I started out to just give you a little background. Uh, first of all, Mark, Mark and I did, we graduated from the same high school together and went to college and, and we're pretty good friends. We had farms, uh, one north of Swift Falls, Minnesota, and one south of Swift Falls, Minnesota. And uh, so, so we knew each other. I grew up on a dairy farm, but I uh, went to school in uh, Benson or we graduated together. Then I w we both went to Wilmer Tech College for uh, egg business uh, with some livestock emphasis. So um, from that point, I graduated in 1990 and I went to work for a local co-op known, known as Western Consolidated Co-op. And at that time, it was just, I mean, we're going back a little bit here. Um, we're 30 years, I guess, huh? <laughs> this year. So That's a little bit. <laughs> it's getting to be a, a while in the feed business here. But uh, started at Western Consolidated Co-op in the Danvers branch. It was Danvers, Holloway, Appleton. And uh, while I was there, I think they purchased Corral and Odessa. So I know it's expanded since that point. So started out in that Danvers feed branch, uh, dumping grain, grain grading, cleaning seed, selling chemical. But I mostly really took interest in that feed warehouse. And uh, just how times have changed. I mean, I can remember it was eight to nine ton of bags a week that we brought in that I would load onto somebody's pickup or, you know, something. I mean, it's 40 or 50 pound yeah, bags. I that mean, the throwing. goal, the goal now is direct to the farm bulk and, you know, try to be efficient. And, but that just tells you the size of the farms. I mean, there was guys with, you know, 50 head of cattle and 100 to 300 head of pigs, you know, at that time. Did, so back then, did you, was there any nutrition? Um, how, how'd they know what to feed them? I mean, um, I think you probably more extensively It, it was now. quite quite simplified then. I mean, you'd maybe go by the tag, like a one pound supplement, or you'd have a concentrate uh, for swine, say, you know, they tell you how much to mix in, maybe three diets okay. from feeder pig to finish from 50 to, at that time, probably 220, 230. You know, when we're up to 280 <coughs> to 300 now, 288, I think was the national or the average here just, uh, just a week ago, which is pretty heavy weights. So but anyway, uh, sorry to ramble a little bit, but the feed manager named Larry Peach and I, uh, we really thought that, uh, you know, we worked for the co-op and we, we really wanted to do, we, we could see some things maybe that was what was best for the feed company wasn't always best for the producer or the customer. And that's where we really thought, hey, um, why don't we go independent and, and let's get them the best bang for the buck. And Larry and I were really big on building that feed business at that co-op. 
and uh, you know by servicing them, and we we knew that we could probably take a majority of them. Uh, get them to come with us or, or service them. And, and if we could find them a better bang for the buck, get them a quality product and, and help their business, add value to their business is always the key of adding value. You can buy feed from anywhere. So it's really about adding value, you know, beyond the bag of feed and the being, way I look at it. Being independent, you feel yep. like you have a, a, an upper hand as far as doing that. Right. So I had a no compete clause and, and basically I went to work for a swine genetic company in the area to so learn quite a bit more about genetics, which helped you know, it's helped in the business a fair amount because we're always matching nutrition, genetics, and and uh, stuff like like that. And uh, so then we we went independent and and started uh, Team Nutrition in 1996. So I really uh, come up with that that name because I'm I'm a big believer in getting a team of people. You know how important people are. So the team of your nutritionist, your vet, your management, and your employees. You know, yeah. so because there, there used to be at times, you know, some finger pointing going on. Uh, you know, the vet would say, "Well, it's feed," <laughs> and the nutritionist would be like, "No, we got a health issue here." You know, and and a lot of times it can be some of each. Sure. So it, it's really big. You know, every farm is going to have problems. Everybody has problems. I say it's how you deal with them. So to take that team team effort and approach, and I just thought, what a that that name just fits. So we've been team nutrition since 1996. So okay. So I come um, from I come from a dairy farm, <clears throat> so that's where I was. I, I grew up on dairy farm, so that's what I know a little bit about swine and that stuff. Ne- never been around at all, but I know on the dairy side, early '90s, we were feeding, uh, so we're milking 80 cows, and everybody got the same ration. Uh, we did have a TMR mixer, so everything was mixed up. But you go up and down that tie style barn, and it didn't matter what the cow was producing, you know what she weighed. Everybody got fed the same. And I think that's changed quite a bit now, hasn't it? I'm going to let Mark talk on the dairy side here since I did a bunch here earlier. Well, there's usually like a high and low group pushing your cows on a higher protein diet on a on the high group, you know, and usually the first probably 160 to 200 days of milk, something like that. And when you say high and low group, you're talking about the amount of milk they're producing at yes. that time. Yes, sir. Um, you know, typically you'd have a diet... Uh, for like a 90 pound cow or 85 pound cow and then the low group would probably be like a 50 to 60 pound cow meeting their needs with higher amino acids and protein for the high group uh probably a little bit more fortified in the calcium and dical vitamins and trace minerals less forage so you're pushing more grain more soybean meal more distillers more soy products uh versus the low group do you do you get that strictly by she's a new cow or, or is it you base it off of like milk production or or butter fat or anything like that milk or? production butter fat uh protein so you're um, looking at all those things and then coming yeah. up with that ration i'm sure you guys had uh dha testing but that's what yeah you know, every yep. month every month you kind of adjust uh that cow or or if you can adjust the diet but now it's an 80 pound dairy herd or 80 cow dairy herd or a 500 cow dairy you typically have a high and low group to uh, adjust for the cow's production and try to save you some money for uh, feed costs. Okay. So do you, do you also look at feed costs? Like if, if such and such minerals high, you can add this and this to make up for that? Yes. We, we do lease costs, but we also look at the nutrition. You want the best bang for the buck, but you want to also feed that cow correctly so uh, she doesn't tail off in milk production. Or uh, or health uh, before she dries off. Okay. So who, do you do? Go ahead, Beck. Who figures out like what the actual diet an animal needs? We usually do that. Uh, we got a, a software program. It's called Daylex. There's probably four or five programs out there. We have training with uh, a company. Our our company's Daylex that we buy from. Uh, we play us pay a software uh, fee of. So many dollars a year, and we do get a little bit of training from them on the beef, dairy, and uh, swine side. We're, we're somewhat, if you want to call, dietitians for for cows, swine, and poultry. Sure. So you you'll work with dairy, beef, hogs, and and any kind of poultry, any kind of livestock in the area. Yeah, other than turkeys, we don't work with uh, turkeys. So. What's what's the reason for that? We don't know enough about them. Don't know enough about them. No. I don't know that much about them either. No. 
Erica <laughs> sure does. I grew up Erica with a bunch does. of turkeys out in Swift Falls <laughs> that were pasture raised, and I just, you know, they would uh, stick their head up in the air and drown from raining. So uh, we we, like, we, just, we learned on one of our recent podcasts I that think, that's not I true. Think the next one that airs, will, they'll be talking about that. <laughs> Maybe that is hearsay. But yeah, Swift Falls is where Earl B. Earl B. Olson started. So. Um, a lot of pasture turkeys out that way, but most of it is Mark and I, you know, really have just focused on, you know, uh, the dairy side. Actually, there's there's not a lot of a dairy in in the area that we're working with as much, but pretty heavy swine and and a lot of feedlot cattle, and then of course some beef cow calf. So, how many customers would you say you work with, or maybe you know the exact number? I think I did a coat. We just uh, gave out. 260 jackets like for Christmas here and I was looking like wow because we give employees and everything and it's it's kind of a we do it every other year and it's been a, a something our customers really like and we seem to get some pretty good recognition for that too but uh, about 70 65 to 70 clients between Mark and myself okay that so. those jackets that's actually how you ended up here because I was in uh, Greg Greg and Marissa Savalik's house the other day to shoot the video uh, where we did a tour of a dairy farm for those listening. And uh, Marissa was trying to get the boys to wear those coats. And then we got to talking about team nutrition a little bit. And she asked if I knew you guys. And that's that's how you ended up here. So, Yeah, we don't do a lot of advertising because most of it is word of mouth. And in the Stevens County or like the five county area that we mostly deal with. I mean, since we've been doing it since 96 uh, and Mark's been with us since 2003, it's you know, uh, a lot of guys know know who, who we are in a sense. Um, we try try to grow some. At the same time, there's uh, I've always told Mark we want to be good at what we do and take care of what we have first. Yeah. You know, and that's that's very key. I, I think one of our biggest attributes, or I feel, is how how we service. When guys need something, we we spoil them in a sense. You know, um, we try to work with companies that can get them stuff fairly fast and we give them information as quick as we can if we don't know it. And and that's still why we do need, you know, you wonder, well, what do you need a feed company for? Well, feed companies are still, you know, we, we don't own any brick and mortar, which is a blessing because we can operate on lower margins then, yep. right? And, uh, but we still need that company that's gonna provide a great product to our specifications for that farm, you know? So you need feed companies for that. The other thing is, you know, we still got to get research from somewhere. I mean, we don't have a research barn, so we're going to hook up with companies that are going to add value to our customers through research. Um, some things, you know, research is very important. Other things, uh, you know, it depends on the area and, and what what livestock you're working with. But um, so, so that's probably some of the key why we still need them companies to manufacture help us with questions and and whatnot for our clients and and it's always evolving you, you know just so you guys you guys don't sell any feet actually you basically sell the recipes is what i'm understanding is that how well we do not have to sell feed okay okay that's that's the key yep the, the problem is when you buy feed you're usually paying a margin yep from somebody anyway so that one of the best ways that we can help pay for some of our services is to find them the best bang for the dollar. Okay. So being independent and not working for a fee company has been key in that. Right. And, and by specie, you wouldn't believe how much it varies. Like Mark with beef cattle, you know, he might need a concentrate, and or, <clears throat> which is a palleted product. Yep. You know, and then and that's a company maybe like Big Valley that would we, we would use somebody more local because trucking gets involved. Like a, a vitamin trace mineral pack, what, what I would use and larger swine operations or large feed mills that already have separate diacal, calcium, and salt like that. I mean, that's a five-pound pack, five pounds per ton of feed. So you get a you know a ton of that, and you feed a fair amount of animals. So trucking on that isn't a big of deal, um, and you know you can get a company that could be further away that's going to add value. So you, you know, try and that. help the farms find the best prices, but also helping them decide on what the actual recipe for their feed should be for their specific. I would say number one is, is first of all, matching the needs of the animal. You know, the right yep. feed at the right time to the right animal. Okay. So that's that's really our job. And that changes and throughout the year? What an It animal changes by should... genetics. It changes by the size, you know, okay. from, from really the age of the animal. Feed yep. intake. Everything is driven by feed intake. You should always know, you know, we talk dry matter intake on cattle farms and uh, average daily feed intake. That, that's what drives, drives the rations. So we try to start there. Okay. But a lot of the genetic companies, you know, it's hard to talk swine, beef, and dairy all in one because they are so specific, and that's why we have specialized more so. 
Yep. But on the swine, you know, the genetic companies, they'll give you some specifications, you know, more so. So okay. we really look at genetic company swine specifications. We have models in our computer program also. And, and then a lot of it is just, I'm going to say years of knowledge of looking at records, working with people, knowing what works. Okay. So this works for this genetics. You may have to tweak this higher lysine levels or amino acid levels. This one needs more energy in the summer because it doesn't eat real well. This one eats great, so we we don't need to. Maybe we need some byproducts in the feed that add more fiber because maybe they have twisted gut issues. So, you know, or, so it can you, come down to like animal by animal on some farms and what their diet might be? Not really? But no, because you're usually always feeding a group. You okay, know, yeah. Of, of, it depends on how many pigs are to a bin in my situation with swine. Now, cattle's different. That's usually TMR. So okay. Again, you have to maybe specify which which species here for right. which one of us you want to talk. Got but it. Who are you? Are you actually visiting the farms and seeing what's going on with the animals too, or are you getting all your information from them or the or the vets or um, the? A- absolutely. I mean, being on farm is probably our key thing to f- to fit in the right, you know, the right nutrition and okay. fitting with that management and and health and everything all together. So. Um, on the swine side, biosecurity's gotten to be a really big deal. Yeah. I mean, because because uh, healthy pigs is the key number one. Um, if you don't have that, so we, we have to be very careful what barns we're going into, and we have to stay out outside for at some point. Um, we can't be just going into barns and and right doing the biosecurity thing. Shower in, shower out type. Yeah, hopefully they have yeah. that. You, you know. And, but in uh, some cases, you're maybe just not allowed in certain barns just because... And really, if we have really good performance on a farm, we pretty much don't go in. I mean, we'll meet outside right. of it, you know, okay. because why would you risk the liability going is in just, the light? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. really, yep. Um, that's the way it's getting. Now, I think beef is different, Mark. You talk on the beef side. Well, typically, I'll go through a feedlot probably once every two or three months. Uh, you know, obviously, computers have kind of taken over our livelihood, but... You know, with poultry, beef, or swine, there's, uh, you can get data, there's data everywhere, but there's, you know, data for their consumption of feed intake or water or uh, temperature in barns. Uh, we can see all that data, uh, you know, from the farmer, usually on our farm visit. One of our customers, South of Glenwood, the Baco Brothers, they have a computer program they sell that actually tracks their daily intake. And so we know what the cattle are eating every day. I can get online, look it up, and uh, see what they're actually doing. And I know we can do that on the poultry and swine side, too. So so you can watch water. those animals remotely, kind of, and, and get enough details to kind of know what, what they if need? We, yeah, if we can get on the Internet, or they can show us what they're actually doing. Okay. So, we can add, so if their feed intake is, is down with swine or beef or poultry, we can, we'll know if there's, you know, there's maybe a problem if they're sick or something or something's not working. We get on the horn and call the farmer. Yep. So. Is that similar to what Greg Sabalik was talking about when Zach went to his farm? He, Greg explained something on the cow's ear that he explained like a Fitbit that gave all the information <laughs> yeah. on It was what, the eye cow. Yeah, you can actually. The I mean, cow. <laughs> I haven't worked with that, but you can actually see stuff that uh, this is actually on. Uh, a lot of it's on a scale head. Okay for a feed bin or uh, a TMR mixer wagon. So then that's downloaded to their computer, which I can get off the internet or they can email it to me or take sure. a picture of it and send it to me. So Wow. What does TMR stand for? <laughs> no follow-up so, so questions. So for people that don't know, a TMR <laughs> mixer, is a, it's a feed wagon. You dump, it has a scale on it. You dump all your different... Uh, your ingredients. Your ingredients is in there. And then it just mixes it all up just mixes, 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 and you drive to the feed bunk, and then it's like a farm it equivalent. Kitchen it's a blender. Aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. KitchenAid. KitchenAid yeah. mixer. Is it a total mix ration? Yep. There you go. <laughs> yeah. wow. Boom. It's like tater tot hot dish. Yeah. Got everything in there. Oh, tater tot hot dish is damn good. <laughs> One of my favorites that my wife makes. <laughs> We can't stuff. get our kids to eat it. What's wrong with them? We can't get our kids to eat anything. Well, you, you don't eat meatloaf. Get that, some hamburger okay. from the Hoffman Locker. That's pretty good hamburger. We got our we last do. round of beef yep. from, uh, we went to Herman for it, and that was pretty good. It came from Kentops and Morris, and I was happy oh, yeah. with that. I Otherwise, have, we've had Scott bring to Evansville before. We go all over the yeah, place. Yeah, we're wherever. We Whoever's got a cow when we need one. Yeah, that's we pretty do, much if, what happens. We don't, we don't always buy quarters. Sometimes we'll just go to the Hoffman Locker plant and buy 20, 30 pounds of just hamburger. 
if we have steaks and roasts and stuff. Sure. That's actually what we do also with just the wife and I. Yeah, just go grab what you need. and Yeah, we've actually kind of started doing that a little bit more. Too bad you can't just go to Hoffman Locker and get tater tot hot dish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'd want it. <laughs> I've been in there. It's old school. It's old school. Mm-hmm. So how many independents like you guys are out there? Is, is this a common thing now? Or is this kind of something that's still hard to find? I mean, wh- if, if I go out of the, this five-county area, where do a lot of livestock producers get their feed? Oh, that's, that's a great question. I'm not sure we can answer that. I mean, there's no doubt the independent thing has gotten to be a lot more popular. But it's, it's getting really hard to find swine, dairy, beef nutritionists because there's not the people like Mark and I that grew up working with livestock. You know, um, you can get the book smarts on it, but if you're really going to be working with these clients, they're very knowledgeable, know what they're doing. Um, you pretty, you kind of needed to work in it at some point in time, I feel, to to sure. add value. I mean, I mean, you can learn it, but it, it's not something, it's, this is complicated Those stuff. customers will know if you've been around Absolutely. the animals or not. Absolutely. I mean, when I started in 1990, I was, was pretty green. And, you know, I, I was mostly dairy, actually. I didn't know much about swine and and I had the co-op manager just say, you know, if you can sell dairy feed, you can sell swine feed. It's a lot easier. So went through some schooling with Lando Lakes at that time was the company that they had. I was, uh, oh, they had something called an LPS, Livestock Production Specialist, and I was a local hire with that co-op. And uh, that, that was very valuable training, actually, what the feed company, you know, did to get that training to. And then, you know, a lot of it for myself has been, you know, I try to read everything possible that I can and, and just learn from anybody else, you know, and, and it's kind of a little bit of a self-taught thing. If you take initiative to want, excuse me, to want to know about it, I mean, that you, you learn by, by doing, in a sense. You know, you know what works and you, what, you learn what not works. Right, Mark? I mean. Yeah, walking in a pig barn or a feedlot or walking a pen of cattle or, or dairy cows is probably your best training and actually having a lot of patience and just sitting there and watching the behavior of the animals, the critters, their manure, their their feed, how they eat, their eating behavior. They sort feeding, it all out. Right, with their feeding, uh, feeders, what kind of, you know, for what is it? What, what does it mean if they, they sort have. it all out? Does that mean they're looking for one nutrient <clears throat> specifically or something? No, they actually have like a Penn State box for use for dairy and feedlots that we shake so many different ways. It's sort of a... If cattle are sorting, then they're usually sorting forage that's not something they don't like, some kind of forage if it doesn't smell right to them or it's uh, put up too mature, they'll sort it out and eat the grain or the distillers or the wet cake or soybean meal. So they have like taste buds, animals. They they prefer certain things. Yeah. So you can give them a bad recipe. Yes. Hmm. So I sort my M&Ms by color. I mean, does that mean anything? If I have a handful of M&M's, I'll eat the brown ones first just to get rid of them. Speaking of Cause M&M's. Because they're, they're brown, yeah. It's a behavior issue. They taste the same. Speaking of M&M's, I, there was a video floating around on the internet, I don't know, I think it was last year, of farmers feeding their, I think it was cattle, Skittles. And when Zach toured a, I think it was the swine barn last year, he touched on a little bit and they were talking about how some feed requires sugar or dextrose or I don't know what the technical term was. Well, and I think because they were feeding the cattle Skittles because there was a Skittle truck that, was yeah. like that a had spill. overturned or something. Yeah. yeah. So they cleaned it up and, and fed it to livestock. And some people were outraged about these Skittles being fed to cattle. So, the, yeah, because the consumers just assumed that these farmers were feeding their cattle a bowl of Skittles. Just a bowl of Skittles, right? Those are the well, same consumers that are... The same people that are mad about it are probably giving their kids bags of Skittles to get them to shut up in the car ride, right. you know? Switch your bell ring. The cows get noisy, you give them a bowl of Skittles. Throw them some Skittles. <laughs> Typically, there's like probably a candy, a manufacturing plant. There's one down in Clara City. I don't know if they make Skittles, but I know they make Jolly Ranchers, I think. So they have... Uh, few of my feedlots have gotten product out of there. Like yeah. a, a byproduct? Yeah. Sure. And it's just like feeding an ethanol product. Someone sneezes in the, in the assembly line of it. <laughs> sort of the way it probably is, but they uh, usually price in. It's Typically, a- cattle eat a lot of corn, so it's like probably 75, 80 bushel ahead from 500 
so okay but it's i mean like when you're feeding a cow skittles you're just you're, you're the skittles dump in a road ditch and you clean that up it's calories right i mean yes, we it, it, you break it down on a on a scientific level it's still yes. the carbohydrates that they need from somewhere correct usually yeah. you take a feed sample we send it to dairyland labs and suck uh St. Cloud or DHIE in Sock Center and find out what it is what it is, and plug that in our computer and do a, a balanced diet for them with corn, corn silage, and wet cake or distillers and mineral. Do you ever throw in donuts on holidays? Like no, Christmas we morning? No, we haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I think the Pie Swine guy did some. say, they said that they had some donuts I, yeah, coming from I can't from, remember from where... Yeah. It was like a bakery. There's a bakery something. byproduct out of Rosemont, Minnesota. That yeah. Was, I think that's that what I, he was talking so about. So they, yeah. they do fill up feed pigs, don't they? They feed just mill not cows, Walmart no? that, uh, that handles that consistently, and they have it attached to the corn price because they are kind of corn replacers. I mean, they may have some protein or extra phosphorus, but a lot of things either need to be, if they're an energy source, they got to compete with corn because we have abundance of corn. Correct. Right. Or if it's a protein source, then we're talking soybean meal. So there, there are many... As nutritionists, our job is really to meet the needs of the pigs and find the most economical way right. to do it. So number right. one is keeping the animals healthy, and number two is yep. the price feed point. Feed the pig, feed the animal right. Number yep. one, know their needs, know their feed intake, so you can balance that ration correctly. That is number one. Then number two is economics, and, yep. and that's probably a big that's a big part of our job. You know, is what is economic now, and we got to yep. keep altering <clears throat> them diets based off of that. And so, so when we're you're really talking, watching prices a lot. Yeah, and so when you're talking the ingredients of the feed, I assume that kind of comes from all different places, and then the farmer kind of mix the mixes up the feed per his herd. So yeah, so so the customer is relying on on nutritionists to you know here's what's available, here's yep. what I can handle. This is how many ingredients I can have. You know, there's can, the mills can have a they oh. they can handle a bunch to maybe they can just have a corn soy, but. For, for the most part, we're dealing with, of course, corn, soybean meal, and dry distillers, grains, or wet cake from the ethanol from plant, the ethanol since we plant. have an abundance of that in our area. Yep. And then, I mean, there's a little bit the bakery byproduct. Soy hulls, you know, in some diets. Yeah. So that, we kind of work around that, but... Uh, I know on the dairy side, we used to, uh, we, we got into, it's like the late 90s, early 2000s. Then we're in a parlor style, so we had four groups of cows, you know, so then we fed them accordingly. But we were into uh, cottonseed. Uh, beet pulp at times. Um, trying to think what they'll ship cottonseed all the way up here. Yeah, I knew that was a thing south of here, of but I didn't. Uh, a lot of it came out of uh, Osaka Creamery. I think it's called. We'd go up there and get truckloads. It must come in on rail. No, uh, they don't have rail there. Doesn't have train. Know. Yeah, I don't know how they got it in, but they really? had a commodity shed. We'd load up cottonseed. Huh. So, uh, as a as a steak eater, I have an important question. How do you make sure you get the perfect marbling in a T-bone? Because that's what I think you should be feeding for. <laughs> do, do you cringe when somebody says they want grass-fed cows? Because you just got to let them know that, well, so you want bad steaks? <laughs> <laughs> I actually seen over in Millbank, uh, Hardee's, they had a grass-fed burger. And I actually tried it, and it wasn't uh, terrible. It's just a, leaner, right? Then I had a, yes. And then I had a, a corn-fed one and, you know, it was better tasting. It was more flavor. And it's, I, uh, it's just the fat, right? Yeah. Correct. So to, in my mind, I would prefer my, my ground hamburger to be as lean as possible. But I suppose not in the sense of a burger, but like when I'm making tater tot hot dish or something, then you don't want to have to mess with all the damn grease that you have to drain off. But you don't want a steak with no fat in it. No, I want my steak from a corn. Fat yeah, or cow. a pork chop without those little I don't pieces of fat you get once in a while. Those little delicious <laughs> slivers of fat. Some of the best steak I've had is actually from a cold cow. Uh, some farmers to the east of us, you maybe know the Reichman brothers. They feed a bunch of cold cows out, and the steaks are probably the size of a the whole plate, and uh, some of the best meat we ever had. So somebody probably should explain what a cull cow is. That's when you kill it because it's sick, right? No. no. These are cows that are older that are going to go to the Toulon Prairie Packing or some packing plant, and they're being fed out for meat. And uh, So they were they were a dairy cow? No, they were, no? Da- they were a dairy cow or they were a colored beef cow. And um, Like a cow f- just to produce heifers, just to produce more cows. Right. Oh. And they were, they're older, probably... Ten, yeah. fifteen years old, and um, they're not getting rebred to be back with the cow herd. 
and they have a steak that's the size of a whole plate with a little bit of fat on it. But typically, it's very good meat, and they've been fed corn, a high corn diet for 100 days. You'll probably like this. They they eat 35 to 40 pounds of corn that last ration, so it's almost a whole bushel. Good for them. (laughs) (laughs) You also, on the dairy side, a cow cow would be, she's just at the end of her... At the well, end of the doesn't call sometimes cycle. mean she's, killing? Like if you call, she's an at the end of her end of her life cycle. She's not going to get rebred for another calf. It's adios amigos. Yeah, no. It's more. the end of the line. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. So they. they Reich, call Reichman's the is the nursing home. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> so, Mark, how do you get better marbling on an animal? Would you say if you want choice? A higher corn diet for uh, 100 to 120 days on a steer heifer or a cull cow or a beef cow or a dairy cow. So will a a cull cow just have a higher fat content? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what their grade is, but typically a steer or a colored heifer or a colored steer can be, you know, 60 to 64% yield, meaning 64% of that is going for meat. And okay. what, and what makes probably fifty percent? And what so. makes the best tasting pork? Because we've had a couple bad taste. We've got a couple bad hogs. You we've had that? some bad hogs. Yeah. 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 I, well, oh, hold on. That. We've had hogs that don't taste as good as the other hogs that we've had. Yeah. Uh, that is a multifaceted question because a lot of it would do with meat would would be breeder genetics. Okay. Blame so, it on the breeders. I would too. Um, you sure? Pass instance, the buck. I As a nutrition know, like, guy, um, I blame it on the um, breeders. The breeders. <laughs> you know, the Berkshire breed is definitely known for good meat quality. Um, that's not as efficient of a breed, so it's not very popular. But in some niche markets, um, it can be very good. Um, but for sure, like Duroc sired animals. So, so it does get back to genetics and breed pretty heavy. And these were backyard um, pigs, so they probably like, there was no they were, genetics. Well, they were probably the runts from a, from a large facility. That, that happens quite a bit, I think, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. You get some yeah. runts, so they basically give them away. Yeah. They, they probably had five legs. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> we got the fifth leg. <laughs> but the nutrition can influence a lot the amount of back fat on the animals, whether it's going to put on muscle. If, if you underfeed protein to a pig, it's going to put on a lot more fat. And be way, way less efficient. So um, feed efficiency is going to be poorer on lower protein. If you're not balancing your amino acids and protein correctly, you'll have poorer feed conversion. They'll eat a lot of corn. So if you feed, you know, meet their needs for amino acids and and protein and energy, then you're going to have a lot better feed efficiency and, and more muscle. It's kind of like a bodybuilder, you know, they got to have protein. Because you don't want a super fatty pig, right? I mean... Um, it's that balance again. And, yeah, you, you know, want a good balance, Sometimes I, I think. think we maybe have taken it to too lean of a measure. I mean, some mm. pork chops are pretty lean, I right. mean, nowadays. Yep. So. I think like that's what ours puck. were. They were too, yes. Um, yep. They were like a thin hockey puck. Grass, pork grass chops. Fed. Grass-fed pigs. Hog, yeah. 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 <laughs> they were in way too good a shape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but pork is a very lean meat. I mean, it, it right there keep, competes with chicken, you know, so it's... Really? Yeah, as far as leanness. I did not know that. The other white meat? I guess. I thought that was elk. I have a lot of comments on that. But. <laughs> pretty competitive with, with that. So can you, do you work with um, like show animals for 4-H? If a, if a kid wants you to grow this super hog for 4-H, can you do that? Only for Can their you make friends. this six-foot-tall giant monster? I grew up in 4-H, and it's changed a lot since uh, when I did it till now. It's gotten to be so competitive and specialized in show pig and the, the, the amount of dollars that are spent in it. It's They go crazy. It's almost it, like hockey. These, those, I'm, the, I'm a little bit more of a, of a commercial or old school, so I'm probably not one to comment. We do not focus on show animals too much, just sure. to be honest. We're probably a lot heavier into the commercial and volume side. That, so. We do sell a lot of show feed, but show feed is is very good. I'm not saying it's not it's bad. It's not bad feed, but it's twice the cost of a regular ration that a farmer does on his own farm. What's the difference? Like I, when I mean when they're I mean, it's just straight skittles. They're expensive. 
It's like feeding the good dog know, food to your dog. It's okay. a nice shiny coat. Well, we're we're going to have to have some kids on from 4-H because I am kind of curious in this. When they're showing animals at 4-H, like, obviously they're looking for something different in every breed, but like, I know they'd spend hours shampooing and blowing their cows with some hose to dry them off and make the fur. Is it all about, it's just about looks, right? It's a, it's a judge. <laughs> it's presentation. Yeah, it's a competition. So what does the feed have to do with that? You just don't want a fat cow or what? <clears throat> nice shiny coat. Yeah. Well, oh, let's yeah. Let's put it this way. Do you, when you wear a dress, does that get jacked up? Or if you wear, you're just... Plain sweatshirt and whatever. So you else. want their you, so or a muumu? So you're giving them the feed to have a. You're giving them the feed to have a prettier coat, more prettier so dress. than yeah, a prettier okay. dress. That's right. Nutrition can affect looks a lot. Sure. And they maybe not grow much different and and return more commercially, but definitely looks wise, it can affect it. So huh. uh, some people pay a lot for them good looks. You know. That's right. And it's probably an overpriced. I mean, just because it's for a show animal, they can jack it the prices. It is twice the price. I just looked at some show feed prices. and uh, So they actually have something called show feed? Yeah, we have uh, companies we get from that have really good show feed, but three or four companies you work with. And I looked at a... That's crazy. Uh, it's, it was a green mix for a steer, show steer feed, and uh, it was tr- twice the prices like corn, oats, and a pellet. And there's corn oats and a pellet and that show feed plus beet pulp, cotton seed, and a bunch of other stuff in there. But and we're not trying to tick anybody off that's feeding it. We do we do sell it, but uh, ec- economically it does not pay. So. So when we head down to Florida in a few weeks here and we walk down Miami Beach, we'll know who's been on show feed and who's corn fed. <laughs> oh my gosh! We walked into that. <laughs> I had to hang on and bite my tongue for a minute on that one. I was excited. <laughs> Not, nothing wrong with cornfield. No, that's right. You just tell who's got a little more marbling. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh boy. That's going to come up our entire vacation now. I was that's going to yeah. be the, that'll be we, the yeah. And the kids, will, the kids will be in the backseat of the car fed. going, who's corn fed? What? <laughs> what is corn fed? What do you mean? We're going to get corn dogs? I want cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Do, so do you guys work with many FBN members? Yes. Yes? Well, they're oh. kind of the FBN of feed. Kind of are actually in a, in a. I would say somewhat we are, except we are pretty heavy service instead of commodity. Maybe I wanted to discuss that, or did you have questions? No, no, they just sponsor this podcast, and I had oh. to bring them up at some point. <laughs> we, actually are, we actually get e- emails, and I think we are a member, an FBN member. Yeah. So did you? Did you, guys you use farm two yourselves? We haven't asked that yet. No, uh, we both own own land. Okay. And it's um, rented out. And you rent. Yeah, okay. I have some on CRP and some recreation. Actually, the dairy farm that I grew up on, out by Swift Falls, and Mark has, owns the farm that he, his grandpa and dad were on. So, kind of some good stuff there. But maybe I just wanted to touch base that, you know, you, you can buy your feed, you know, when you're talking FBN. I mean, you, you know, you're talking commodities and you want to get the best price. And I, I totally get that. Everybody wants that. And that's a great thing. In the nutrition side, there are a lot of commodities, and we hope, you know, your soybean meal, you're going to go get as cheap as you can for the best bang for the buck. I mean, we actually do broker bean meal also for AGP out of Dawson, but the larger farms can buy it direct or the feed mills are going to buy it direct. Your dry distillers are going to be bought direct. You have nothing to do with. But um, as far as the, the vitamins and trace minerals, we still need, you know, we will bid that out to the different companies that we work with. And, you know, not all the time are we looking for the cheapest. I want to say it, de- it depends on if that company can add value, like by coming to the farm and helping with some record keeping or if they can add value, it's not always about the cheapest to be the best for the farm. So right. I call it, Mark brought up lease cost. I really don't like that word in a sense. I'm very driven by best cost rations. It's not always the, the cheapest. Yep. It's the best cost. So it's, it's the best diet for the money. Sometimes that's not the cheapest diet. Sometimes it is. I mean, it depends on if you have a really high pork price, say, and a guy is short on barn space, you need to maybe drive a lot harder energy. You maybe need to feed products that are going to get him to gain more, spend some money. If he's long on barn space, meaning that he has time, they don't need to grow as fast. And maybe we cheap we feed a cheaper, lower energy diet and don't give them, you know, pay extra money for products to 
um, to get them to gain because we got time. So okay? do you also, uh, I know all markets fluctuate, but it seems like the swine really does. It does a lot. <clears throat> so do you, does. does that play a part? Huge. Pork's good. Hey, let's hammer these things out or it's not worth anything. Price anyways, drives so. your rations pretty hard. So generally, you know, in the summers when we have our higher markets, higher the, price. The market price of the, of the animals? It hard. Yes. Because it's push that simple, thing out of the barn as fast as you can. Get it out of there. And, huh. and then you're looking at, okay, if, if I'm going to spend this extra money, am I going to get it back? Right. Okay. You, you got to look at the return on investment. Right. Yeah. So if we have really low pork prices, it's probably not going to pay. Like in the fall, fourth quarter is usually not very good, October yeah. through December. But June, July, May, June, July, right in that time frame, I mean, it's phenomenal. So we need to back up usually two, three months from that time frame and start, start ramming higher energy, better diets. So... No, with swine, the pork price is, is everything. It's kind of the same with crops. I mean, corn price is up. We're going we're gonna to grab them snake oils and throw them out there and hope to get a bushel or two. Corn prices are in the shitter like they are now. Yeah, we cut out the snake oils. Like possible we, conventional corn instead of something. <laughs> right. You right. know what I mean? Right. I, I mean, a lot of guys have tried some of that. And yep. Huh. So, uh, yeah, price at the end makes a big difference on how we drive that ration. Does that get, that's got to get difficult I would think more difficult to, to market hogs compared to like corn or soybeans. Cause I know, you know, pretty closely when I'm going to be harvesting the crop versus the, the animals, you don't know, you know, what happens if you have animals marketed, you've got, you've got, you've got them sold out there and then they get sick and you lose a barn Yeah, or half a, a barn. Very, very hard thing. You know, it's hard to market out much more than six months because if your sow herd gets something that reduces how many pigs are being born, you know, so and the other thing is they keep growing and keep coming. I mean, your corn, you can store. You, you got two or three chances to market that, and then boom, you can you can do it. Oh, the pigs keep growing. We got a, right. it's a flow that just keep happening. So, you know, they're, they're just steady. Yeah. You know, so you, you got to be marketing year round all the time for them. And to try and catch the ebbs and flows, the peaks and valleys and at you, the you right time is going to be It's tough to go out probably much more than six months unless, you know, you really know that you're not going to have troubles with with uh, with your herd disease wise, you know, possibly so. Yeah. And obviously, the longer you keep them, the bigger they get, and the more expensive they are to feed, right? Yeah. Well, and you can get past a certain point too, where they're they're too big for the Absolutely. preference of the market. Right. Hitting that, we call you know the the sweet spot or the red the, the main box for them packing companies. Everyone's a little bit different. They they all tend to pay very similar if you meet their criteria. So it just depends on what pack you want to deal with. But we had a situation here where we had so many, so many pigs going to market that they weren't taking them, you know, and they, they just kept growing. And basically they were getting, you know, a, a lot heavier pig for the same price as a lighter pig or even cheaper. So it was working in their advantage and it was mm-hmm. kind of like, huh, what, why is this happening? Anyway, it was really, really a tough, it's been some very, very tough two to three years in the swine business and, and especially lately here. It, it, there's been some tough pricing. So like a lot yep. of the ag- agricultural yep. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> commodities and whatnot, it's, it's, it seems like it almost goes opposite of the rest of the flow of the economy. When the rest is doing good, it seems like egg's down. And yep. when that turns, then egg will get better. And It does so, seem that way, yeah. Yeah. yeah Historically, we, that's kind of the way it goes. We're in that cycle where it's been a little tougher. But Do you deal with any organic farms where you have to get a certain corn or a... <clears throat> we have one dairy that... Uh, is organic over in Morse. Um, they have a conventional herd, and it's through the college, uh, University of Minnesota Morse over there. And they raise all their crops, or, or uh, some of their crops for corn, soybeans, I think, and oats, and alfalfa organic. And it seems like they, you know, they work quite a bit with a lot of other uh, producers that do that. In the state of Minnesota, I go to a couple seminars a year, and um, they have probably about 250 cows. And I actually was just over there last week and did some ration work for them and pulled some feed samples to, to get the nutrient analysis. But you know, organic soybean meal is like you know eight nine hundred bucks a ton, and um, you know, like soybean meal for us right now delivered up in our area is probably. 280 to 300 so where do they wow. get organic soybean meal um from organic soybean plants <laughs> there's a, actually a plant a guy no in shit. grove city that does it <laughs> and a plant uh in iowa and there's he actually sells organic corn 
and then a feed mill south of St. Cloud and Luxembourg does it. Mm. Uh, a lot of these guys raise mm. their own crops and try to use their own product. So the the university is the only organic customer that you guys have for dairy for anything. Yes. Wow, that's that's surprises me. Well, how, what would you say your how big of an area do you guys work mm-hmm. miles wise? A couple hundred miles. Oh, you went that far? Yeah, that is spotty. We're yeah. spotty, you know. But I mean, we get a few feedlots a ways away. But okay, organic is uh, I think in the dairy world is probably over by St. Cloud Sox Center area and um, goat milk more that country. Goat milk you country. Any goats? No. <laughs> there, there's a few goat dairies over by Sox Center. Dairy, yes. Goat, yep. goat dairies. I'd call. I suppose you would. Yeah. I would think so. No almond dairies. I've had the Amish no, uh, work on my house over by Osaka. Nut milkers. The Amish uh, actually insane, raise, <laughs> they raise goats. The Amish do? Yeah. Okay. And they sell their milk to Kimball. I think there's actually a creamery in Kimball that, that sells organic goat milk. So organic my, Amish goat milk. My brother works over by Sock Center, in Sock Center, and uh, one of the guys that works for him has goats, and it was a, yeah, it was a dairy goat dairy farm whatever you call it but he would get on the weekends guys would be out drinking beer and swing by and buy a goat for 50 bucks they weren't worth nothing you know buy a goat for 50 bucks and it would end up in their their other buddy's porch you know he wakes up saturday morning to a goat in there that's a fantastic <laughs> he said, idea he said sunday morning the next guy would always bring the goat back so he'd be selling these goats for 50 bucks at a time when guys would come by with a six pack of beer and grab a goat for 50 bucks and then he'd get it back two days later and resell it again it's a good business perfect good, it's good like a goat model. goat rental yeah yeah sock center goat rental huh so i don't know if fbn's gotten into goats or not i don't think Sally? so yeah, call we'll, I'll call Sally on yeah. that. But they did hit 10,000 members last week, 10,000 farmer members. So they're with uh, 10,000 farms now. Uh, FBN, Farmers Business Network, is a farmer-to-farmer platform and a network. Nope, sorry, I messed that all up. Farmer-to... You have somebody notes else want to read it? You you yeah, I know, but I'm trying to... Okay. <laughs> you should write more Deep notes. Breath. Longer notes. Farmers Business Network is a farmer-to-farmer network and e-commerce platform. That That's it? it? Yep. Oh. <laughs> well then. How long has FBN been in, uh, been around? Would you say? When did it start? 2014. 2014. Yep. I know that because it was on Google when I Googled it to come up with that fancy little line I had there. Nice. We, we, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we bought our chemicals through them this year and actually saved quite a bit on chemicals. Uh, but chemicals are down everywhere. So I... I I can say we saved a ton compared to last year's prices, but I didn't call around too much this year. I, the prices were really good. I know that. I think we've been a member since 15. Since 15? Longer yeah. than I have. Yeah, we're in it pretty early right yep. away. And at that time, it was just for the, uh, uh, you just, just to see what, what other people are getting around the area. Right, because they have that too. I mean, you can just look at it that's and see what, what other people with, are yeah. paying for yep. chemical prices. Price comparison was heavy for the commodity, right? I mean, that's yeah, what what it really started out as, right? Well, before that, even it it mainly the main thing that kind of started, I believe, was just uh, um, so we'd we'd give them our yield data, and then that went up, so they didn't know it was ours or necessarily where, but we knew the region, so we could do like a fifty mile radius around us, and everybody that gave their yield data, forty, you know, decal forty six twenty average was this we were here you know plus or minus off of the off of the uh average and it was that's kind of what we'd gotten into it for so you can see everybody else's it's anonymous data after yep. you put it in there they anonymize it right yeah anonymize? Sure. Not, i don't know if that's a word or not but it sounded good didn't yeah, it it works it flowed really out good. pretty well really good yeah, yeah you could you could put in like a 50 mile radius 100 mile radius so right in our area it would pop up that there was six thousand acres of said seed seed uh a variety and the average is this they've got a this they've got a yield finder deal now so i've got my fields in there and it will go through my fields individually and pick out the dominant soil type in the field and then match up in our geography within so many miles like what hybrid has had the best yields in in that soil type in my geography yep and then you can narrow it down by by uh the relative maturity and everything yep Fascinating. Very fascinating. <laughs> so, and they sponsor this podcast. So, thank you to Farmers Business Network. Here, here. If you'd like to sign up, you can save a hundred dollars oh, now. That's right. 
Yeah, did you guys save $100 when you signed up by mentioning the millennial farmer? I uh, probably, I'm not sure. No I would assume questions. I would assume they did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get emails from them like five times a day, so. You read them all pretty closely? Every one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> all of our emails. Yeah. Right. right. Every single one. Ten emails a day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, communication is a key. I always say that you cannot over communicate unless it's bad I, communication. I, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> yeah. You can over communicate. Yes. Can you? Yes. Uh, yeah. You're there. Yeah, I have a. Yeah. Because there are people cuss- you got. You got, I, I got to believe make there's a phone people. call when you can text. Yes. There are certain people that I won't answer their phone calls because it's like, I know what they have to say is going to take 30 seconds, but they're going to talk for 30 minutes. Yeah, but then I'm driving down the road trying to text you all the time, and it's like... That's called efficiency, Randy. You drive with your knee, (laughs) you send an email with your hands. Zachary. (laughs) Zachary. (laughs) It's the best time to shoot off emails. We had a a feed mill back in the day. It's where I work at Dibdals. So originally that place was built for a feed mill in 72, I believe. Zip feet? Yes, no. I think it was zip. Originally, I, I remember it. Z- yeah, zip, 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 zip feeds. Yeah, really. Um, and then uh, so somebody else had built it, and then Gary dibbed also. Terry and Todd's dad had yep. bought it. I believe early '80s. He'd worked out of there for a while, and then had bought it, purchased it from him. And then so when I started there, we were still doing some feed. We had. Uh, one or two smaller operations like swine, a little bit of dare, a uh, little bit of beef. But it got to be so you would order in a pallet of said mineral and you were halfway through that pallet, you know, and then they'd call up and something's wrong with the herd. We got to switch this or that, you know, and then we'd be stuck with this half a pallet. Well, then as the, you know, the little ones got out and the bigger ones got bigger, well, then they started kind of doing their own grinding and stuff. So then it got to be where we would do a few beef guys and it was when it was 20 below zero because they can't get their feed wagon tractor started. So they'd call you to mix them up a ration to get them through the weekend until the weather gets yeah. nice again. So then the only time we you were You were plan B. Yeah, and then it, it just, so we, we'd kind of gotten out of it, but then you have it. So then a guy calls, it's like, well, yeah, I'll grind you a load of corn because we have it, you know? Because so they got to feed the goat that their buddy left in the porch. <laughs> Some of that was that too, yeah. And so it got to the point where we had it in there, and then we're redoing some stuff with the grain handling side, and the, the mixer and the grinding mill and stuff were kind of in the way. So uh, we stripped it all out and sold it, and it's like perfect. Now, now when guys call, we just we can't even do it. Because if you have the stuff, you're going to say yes. Right. I mean, it's like, well, yeah, we, we got the hammer mill, we have the roller mill, we have the mixer. Yeah. Um, so that was... Well, the best thing we did was just to pull it out and get sell rid it. of it. Yeah, yeah. The the overhead bins are all handy, so we still have the scale and and uh, ten thousand bushels of overhead storage that goes through a scale, so that works well for blending off. Crappy corn. Yeah, corn. Water hemp seed. Yep. So you you start combining in the morning, the wet soybeans go overhead. Then in the afternoon, and they're ten percent, or the next day when they're ten percent, then you just blend them back blend through them into off. the bin, and yep. yeah, works handy for that. Randy, what haven't you done? Uh, hogs. Never worked with hogs. Uh, as far as agriculture, that's that's about it. Pretty close. Chickens. My girlfriend, she's been listening to the podcast and has no agriculture background, and she messaged me the other day, and she's like, is this Randy for real? He's just done everything. everything. <laughs> I, I've just never passed up an opportunity. I mean, somebody wants help. I, I, I don't know what goes on on a, um, you know, beef cows. They, You know, I'd, I'd help them feed Cows on the weekends, whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. Do it all. willing to help and willing to learn. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Kind of. That's a good deal. Yep. Slid into here and slid into there and. Brings his own beer. Brings my own beer and yep. do, do it, slid into a podcast. Slid into a podcast. <laughs> sure, I'll do a podcast with you. Yeah. Neither one of us know a dang thing about it, so I'll just tell my wife that we're going to do a podcast now and she'll figure it out. Okay.